In the year 2020, we witnessed so many things that we have never seen before. Due to this coronavirus, we saw businesses shut down in a day or two days. We never dreamed anything like that could happen, did we? Except from Revelation 18, where the fall of Babylon shows us in one hour a great city was destroyed. But we just couldn't imagine it, could we? I certainly couldn't. I could read the book of Revelation, and I knew these things were going to happen because God said they were going to happen, but I couldn't imagine it. In coronavirus, we have seen things we've never seen before. None of us living have ever seen these things before. That's what's basically coming in the Great Tribulation, things that we can't even imagine it happening. We're going to look at these two subjects, coronavirus and the Great Tribulation, for I think the coronavirus is a prelude to the Great Tribulation. I think it shows us how fast things can change. Coronavirus, for those who are of God and wise, should also help each of us to examine our way of life and to make changes. For if you live the way this world lives, you're going to go down with this world in the things that are coming in the days ahead. We just can't live in this system where we live by credit cards and charge things that we can't afford with the plan to pay for them later. What might happen later? Some of you don't even have jobs now that you had at the beginning of 2019. Everything changed instantly. You're so foolish if you think you're going to go back to a job, pay off a big mortgage, pay off all your debts, and keep going on accumulating debt. This is not the way of God to live. This is the way of the world. You think things are not coming upon this world? They are coming upon this world. Coronavirus is only a prelude to the things we will see in the future. Now, here's another point. How long is this coronavirus going to go on? For us in the United States, I think we can mark it by March 11th when all the sporting events absolutely closed down the same day. Nobody's ever witnessed anything like that. That's just a, an enormous sign of the trouble that was coming in and was upon this earth. People speculated that when it would be sort of like flu, that when flu season would end in the winter and then in the warmer weather, everything would be fine. That has not happened with coronavirus. Actually, the, at the time I'm recording this, a new surge has started. And the warm weather is well upon us. We're in the middle of summer at the moment I'm recording this. And yet we, we don't see it ending. We don't even know if it will end. Humans speculate, well, it has to end. Well, it hasn't ended. It hasn't done what we thought it would do. There are going to be many things like that in the future. One of the things for sure is you don't want to be in debt. 
You can't keep living this way of the world if you're doing that. And I fear that a great many of you are doing that. You must make changes. And if you can't see how dangerous this debt is, if you can't see it based on what's happened with coronavirus, if you can't see that you must not put your faith in governments of men, you must put your faith in God. For he is the only one who can lead us to positions of safety. And if you're trusting in anything that men provide, it can be swept away in an hour, in a minute, in a blink of an eye. We just can't do it. But the number one thing you have to do first is get out of debt. If you're in any form of debt, and that includes mortgages, everything. If you're living in a mortgage, you're living above your means to pay. And it seems so wise to buy that house with monthly payments, doesn't it? And then you have all the equity in the house. This is the way of the world. I wouldn't trust it. I've uh, built several houses, and I never took out a mortgage on any of them. God showed me in 1975 to get out of debt, stay out of debt. I did get out of debt. I have stayed out of debt. I never expected to ever have a house to live in, a house of my own. But circumstances worked themselves around to the point that I had enough money to build a small apartment for myself. And then a little more money accumulated, and I bought a lot in Clovis, New Mexico, where I was going to use it to build if I ever had the money to do so. And one thing led to another, and I kept accumulating money, without trying to do so. There was just excess money, and every time I just built and put it into property, the property multiplied and changed, and I went the way of God. I didn't take out a mortgage. Why? Because you can't serve God and mammon. If you take out a mortgage, you're going to be a servant to the debt. I would love rather live in an apartment than do that, and that's exactly what I did for the first 20 years of my life, 30 years of my life after I was born again. I couldn't afford to build a house. I couldn't afford to buy a house without taking out a mortgage, so I just lived in an apartment. That doesn't seem wise, does it? But that's what God showed me to do. By the time coronavirus hit, I was totally out of debt, and God had put me in a place where I could live with a member of the body of Christ, the house that I had been living in in Texas was completely debt-free, so it sold, and that money was used to continue to sustain this ministry. For to sustain a ministry of a prophet of God, you're not going to be popular as a prophet of God. You're going to speak things that people don't want to hear. You're going to speak things to get those people who can hear to a point of safety. But most people just want to accumulate all of the things possible on this earth. And that includes people who call themselves Christians. This is not the way of God. Well, let's look at some of these events. In the first place, we don't even know if coronavirus will end. I certainly have not heard a word from God concerning this. 
I haven't heard anybody else say they've heard a word from God concerning coronavirus. There's just speculation. It did not go away after the winter season. It continued during the spring. It continued into the middle of summer. There's speculation that it will continue until the next year. But they don't even know that it will end then. We've never seen anything like this. But for those of us who have the opportunity to see it, we can imagine better the things that are coming in the Great Tribulation. Endurance in such a time is a key point. Are there days that you just become restless and just, I don't know how I'm going to live through this day. I don't know how I'm going to fill the time of this day. I certainly have days like that. What do we do in a day like that if we're a Christian? Well, I would hope that we'd remember to pray. God, please help me to fill this day. Please fill the day for me. Please help the time to pass today. Please help me to endure. I have prayed that so many times during my life. I was injured rather badly in a fall, an accident, in oh, 2018, December 2018, required surgery, two and a half months in a rehabilitation center in Texas. I was alone down there. How was I going to endure that day? Well, I awoke every day and I just said, God, please fill the day for me. Please help me. And he did. And the time just flew by. I couldn't believe it was the end of the day when the day ended. God just filled it, caused things to happen to fill that day. That's the same thing as now. A few days ago, I became restless and a little bored. I couldn't seem to settle on anything. I tried the blog, I tried the Bible, I do all kinds of things. I just couldn't become settled. And then I finally remembered to pray. I don't know how we forget to pray, but we do. But I finally remembered to pray. And then from that point on, the rest of the day just flew by. God filled it for me. That's the key to everything. Prayer. Watch yourself. Watch and pray. Watch yourself. Watch when you begin to slip, when you know you're slipping. Watch yourself. Pray. Ask God for help. It's so simple, if we could just remember to do it. Now let's talk about this debt thing and talk about the way we should be living and coronavirus and the Great Tribulation, which is coming upon this earth. 1 Timothy 6, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. For those of you who have a mortgage today, how did you get that mortgage? How did they, how'd you qualify for that mortgage? Well, you did it based upon your job and your other debts and some banker telling you you could get it. You didn't do it based upon trusting in the living God that you'd still have the job five years from now. Coronavirus hits and what now? 
Oh, you don't want to be in that position. That's a terrible way to live. I buy only those things that I can afford to pay for. I might charge it for 30 days out of convenience, but at the end of that 30 days when that bill comes in from Visa, it's paid for in full and I have money left over because I'm not going to go into debt for things I can't afford. I don't want to spend all of my money for the item and secondly, I'm not going to spend more than I can afford for the item unless I go crazy or something and I pray I won't go crazy because I know this that I have to stay free. We have to stay free to follow God. 2 Timothy 3, 17, once again, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, willing to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now let's talk about the coming plagues of the Great Tribulation. One of the things we realize about the Great Tribulation is things happen during the Great Tribulation that only God can cause to happen. No man can cause lightning. No man can cause hail. No man can cause the sun to turn dark in the middle of the day. No man can shift the solar system so that we have one-third less daylight than we currently have but the time is coming in the days ahead when the power of heaven will be shaken and it will all be of God because no man can do these things at the beginning of the great tribulation seven angels came with seven trumpets and prepared themselves to sound the angels sounded those trumpets one by one and the plagues of God came upon the earth. The first plague was hail and fire mingled with blood. Now we've, most of us I guess, have seen and witnessed hail. I think most of us have seen lightning storms. So those aren't unusual to us. What makes this first plague unusual? Well, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees upon the earth was burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. We haven't seen that happen before. This hail and fire mingled with blood, and I don't know what mingled with blood means. But that's something different, and only God can cause it. And that is the first of the plagues loosed by the angels of God at the Great Tribulation. The second plague, the second thing loosed, and this was, can only happen by God. A great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. 
I always think of, uh, I'm not saying it would be a place like in Seattle, Mount Rainier, but I've been to Seattle and I know the beauty of Mount Rainier. And I imagine it. I just try to imagine Mount Rainier all of a sudden sliding out into the sea. Of course, it could be any mountain. It could be a mountain in Asia. It could be the Himalayas. It could be any mountain. But here's the result of it. The third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. See, we haven't seen that yet. That's the second plague loosed by those angels in the Great Tribulation. The third plague loosed by the angels, a great burning star fell from heaven. That's Revelation 8, 10 and 11. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. That's just the third plague. There are 14 plagues. The fourth plagues, and this is really a shocking one to me. The powers of heaven were shaken. Revelation 8:12, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten. A third part of the sun stopped shining, and the third part of the moon didn't shine, and the third part of the stars didn't shine. So it was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. What would they do to growing seasons? If there's less sunshine, wouldn't it affect crops? There's no telling what it would affect. I can't even imagine it. I hope I'm not here to see it. I can't imagine the terrible problems that could come from this one plague. But only God can cause this to happen. No man is going to cause this to happen. No man has the power to make this happen. It's only God. And that's the thing about the Great Tribulation. It's God who brings these things. Number five, a star fell from heaven, opening the bottomless pit and bringing locusts, which tormented men for five months. Now, we've gone through five months of coronavirus, and we're really starting into more months of coronavirus. And think of how hard it was for us to endure that. Well, in this case... Those men who do not have the mark of God and have the mark of the beast on them, they're going to be tormented for five months with these locusts, which have stings like scorpions and power to torment these men. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass 
of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when it striketh a man. And in those days men shall seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. It will be such a terrible time. They will be tormented. They want to die, but they can't find a way to die, and death flees from them, and they have to endure the torment. Number six is the loosing of smoke, fire, and brimstone, which kills one-third of the men upon the earth. Brimstone, I looked that up once, and it's a, a sort of like molten lava rocks that are burning with fire and fall upon men. That's number six. Number seven that's loosed is seven thunder-speaking words which are sealed. The prophet John didn't get to what these are. The angel had him seal up these words. But they were thunders. And one thing he did get to hear is an angel saying, there shall be time no more. That was the end of time. And then we have seven other angels who have vials filled with the plagues of God. So after the first seven plagues, we have seven more plagues that come upon the earth. Revelation 15. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. This is the end of the plagues of the wrath of God. Plague number one of the last seven. A noisome and grievous sore came upon those men which had the mark of the beast upon themselves. Terrible sore. Noisome is odor. That deals, noisome means odor-filled. It's a very smelly sore that came upon these men. Number two, the vial caused the blood of dead men to come, and every living soul died in the sea. That's Revelation 16. The number three vial caused the rivers and fountains of water to become blood. Vial number four. This one is a really, really, really hard one. The vial was poured upon the sun, and great heat came upon men on this earth, so they were scorched with fire 
and suffered greatly from the heat. Revelation 16, verses 8 and 9. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give God glory. Even in the midst of that terrible suffering, they did not repent. Vial number five. This vial caused great darkness to come upon the earth, and the men gnawed at their tongues for pain because of the darkness. Revelation sixteen ten and 11. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seal of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Antichrist does not repent. Twenty, thirty years ago, I was trying to find a church to attend and I would hear preachers stating things from the pulpit that just weren't true. I would go to those preachers and show them these things that were not true, that they had spoken. They became very angry with me, but no one repented. Not one of them repented. And this really, I thought, well, how can this be? How can this be that they won't repent? About 20 years after I went through this, God showed me the scriptures in Second Thessalonians 2 and pointed out to me that these are Antichrist in the churches. Antichrist does not repent. And we see that these people in Revelation, even though those plagues came upon them and they suffered greatly, they did not repent. And they blasphemed God and accused God. But they didn't repent. The sixth vial. In the sixth vial, the devils and kings of the earth were gathered to the battle of Armageddon. You can read about that in Revelation 16, verses 12 through 16. Plague number seven, the last of the seven plagues. There were voices and thunders and lightnings and a great earthquake such as was not seen since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Revelation 16, 17 through 21. And the seventh angel, this is the last one, there were first there were first seven angels and the first seven plagues. Then there were the second grouping of angels, seven angels, seven more plagues. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, quote, It is done. End quote. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away. 
and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. In Revelation 18, we read about the fall of Babylon. This has been of interest to me ever since I was a Christian in 1975, this fall of Babylon. I've always thought it had to do with fall of great cities such as New York City, Paris, London, and other great cities. I think Babylon is just symbolic and that this is going to happen to the great cities. Since coronavirus, I think that we can come much closer to seeing how this can happen to a great city. Revelation 18, start at verse 7, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. The prophets of the Old Testament often spoke about these things. One of the prophets said something like, it will be like a man who's chased by a bear and runs into a lion, or a man who is chased by a lion and escapes into his house, puts his arm up on the side of the wall and said, I'm safe now, and was bitten by a serpent. Just one thing after another striking him. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Haven't we seen a little bit of this in coronavirus? What about New York City? What about Times Square? Where it used to just be packed with people and cars. About these businesses that are no longer open or temporarily closed and some may never be opened again. Men made rich by these businesses. I can just see it. Verse 10, Revelation 18. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. For no man buyeth their merchandise any more. I think each one of us should be able to see how Revelation 18 could happen. Now we know it will happen because God said it would happen. But we are so limited in what we can understand as humans unless God shows us. But this coronavirus is a prelude, has to be. It has to be a prelude of things to come. And once again, none of us really even knows if this thing is going to go away. 
life as we have known it may not return. But for those of us who belong to God, we should have great hope because God always gives us wisdom to see what to do in the midst of a problem. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. That's all we have to do. Ask for wisdom, and follow those things that God has shown us to do. Make no mistake, these things are coming. You may be one of the mockers who's saying, Yeah, but how can it? People have said that for 2,000 years and nothing's happened. Everything just goes on just as it did. Nothing really happens. Preachers have always said judgment was coming. Peter answers that for us in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said that some people would mock that way and say, yeah, but everything's always just gone on. People have always said things were going to happen, and they didn't happen. And here's 2,000 years since the crucifixion of Jesus, and we're still saying those things. Peter says, A day in the sight of the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. God does not see time as humans see time. If you take that scripture and just imagine, we think it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Whereas in the sight of God, a thousand years as is as a day, it would only be two days since Jesus was crucified and resurrected. God's time is not the same as man's time. But the end will come says Peter. Second Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come. And what happens at the end after the great tribulation? Peter tells us exactly what will happen. The heavens will be on fire and the earth will be on fire and it will all be destroyed, heaven and earth. All these things will be burned up. And in verse 14, Peter says, How then should you be living? Be diligent that you are found of Jesus when he returns in peace without spot and blameless. None of us can follow the way of the world. The only thing that we can do at this point in time is take scripture and follow each scripture. Live that scripture. Live the scripture as far as it will take you. Whatever scripture you have called to your attention right now, live it. Do it. Check yourself at the end of the day to be sure you're doing that. And continue to do it. And you'll hear another scripture. Do that scripture. It's like going down a highway and there's a fork in the road. Well, the scripture leads us. So when there's a new scripture, we add that to our scriptures. Meditate day and night on the word of God. In the morning, read it and pray. Read the scriptures you've accumulated and pray over them. In the evening, use those same scriptures to see if you actually did those things during the day and fulfill the word of God. For it's not the hearers who are blessed, 
but it's the doers of the word of God who are blessed. Many people hear the word of God, and not too many people do the word of God. I once attended a church in Dallas called Word of Faith. They spoke about scripture all the time and about doing scripture all the time. And God showed me Joshua 1.8, meditating in the word of God day and night so that you would have power to do the word of God. And I took that very seriously and actually did it. Just before I left that church group, our Bible teacher said, he said, Joan, I've thought about this a lot during the years you have been here. We talk about faith, but you actually do it. You live it. I said, well, yes, I do. I see a scripture, and I just do that scripture. I work toward doing it. I keep that scripture before me day and night with the intent that it will get so strong in me that it will overcome my own flesh and enable me to actually do what that scripture says. And only by meditating in the Word of God will the Scripture get stronger than we are because our own flesh is pretty strong. But the Word of God is stronger when we make it stronger by an active doing of the Word, by, by thinking on that Word, by examining our lives by that Word. Then it becomes stronger than our flesh and it overcomes us. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Christ is the word. And Paul was basically saying, I can do all things by the word who strengtheneth me. When you have a scripture given you by God, there is nothing more wonderful than that. Clinging to that direction examining yourself by it, continuing in it. Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. If you continue in it, do it and keep on doing it. How do we manage to do that? Keep it before you day and night. I have found a very easy way to keep scripture in front of me. I just take page prints of the Bible and put it on my photo album on my Kindle tablet. And every morning I go through those scriptures. And every evening I can go through those scriptures and check to see if I've actually done those scriptures that day. The scriptures are the way to salvation because the scriptures are Jesus. Jesus is the word. Jesus is not some kind of vapor floating through the air. It's tangible. He is tangible. He's the Word of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But it's not the flesh of Jesus that we're looking for. We're looking for the Word. Every time I read the Bible, I'm looking for something to do. Every time I read a scripture, I'm thinking about doing it. This is Joan Boney speaking, and most of these things I've spoken to you today are printed on our blog. If you will go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations, you can see in writing these things that I have printed for us about the Great Tribulation. Our blog name again is Jesus Ministries 
exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.